This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, these are convicting words. These are powerful words that we need to hear and internalize, take to heart, and to repent, to turn away from our sins, and to turn to you and your Holy Spirit and your grace to work within us to be about that which reflects Christ and not that which resembles the world. So, Father, by your grace and by your Spirit, work in us now to listen, to understand, and to begin to apply what we are hearing, that we may be doers of your word, not hearers only. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we have an inability to change slides. All right, so, um, no, still nothing. Oh, and now I can overdo it. All right, the message title is How to Overcome Addiction, Dishonesty, Anger, Etc. And it's all here in Ephesians 4, 17 to 32. And 
there are six areas that are highlighted by Paul in the practical application of doctrine. You can overcome addiction, dishonesty, anger, stealing, foul talk, and resentment in Christ. You say, what? First of all, you need to identify that these are sins. Can we stop right now and say these are not diseases? These are not excuses? These are not acts that you are justified in doing in any way, no matter how other people treat you. These are sins. Can we be honest? Call sin, sin. Billy Graham said revival will happen when we call holiness, holiness, and call sin, sin. Vance Hafner says the reason we don't have revival is because we treat sin not like a rattlesnake, but like a cream puff. Let's look at the sin and call it sin and see it as deadly, like a rattlesnake. And let's apply our faith to overcoming him. You are overcomers, more than overcomers in Christ. So let's look at this. Ephesians 4, 17 and 19 talks about overcoming addiction. You see, before we knew Christ, sin was our tyrant. And when sin said jump, we would say, how high would you like me to jump? We were slaves to sin. We had to do whatever sin told us. Not only that, we had unbridled passion. Before we knew Christ, there were areas in our lives that were so out of control that we couldn't stop them if we wanted to. It was like a runaway horse, unbridled passion with no reining in. And Paul is reminding the Christians in the city of Ephesus, that's the way you used to be. Like the Gentiles, like the people who don't know God, the people who don't have a relationship with Jesus, you were like that with unbridled passion. And he writes this, So I tell you and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Now I want you to stop one second and see if you would agree with me that this is an apt description of an addict. Someone who is addicted, whether they're addicted to drugs or alcohol or sex or gambling, whatever addiction a person may have, if they don't know the Lord, then they are futile in their thinking. It says this in Romans chapter 1. Instead of worshiping the creator, they worship the creature and creaturely things. Instead of giving God honor, they ignore God and God gives them over to their own devices. So either you're focused on God and your mind is fruitful in its thinking, or you are separated from God and your mind is futile in its thinking. The thoughts you have apart from Christ are a waste and they're self-destructive. Now to get this across, Paul says, not only are they futile, futile in their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding. 
because they're separated from the life of God. When you trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in you and you have the life of God. You have the power of God. You have the love of God living inside you. Who wouldn't want to receive Christ? Who wants to be separated from the life of God and left to their own devices, futile thinking, and darkened understanding? But it doesn't stop there. The ignorance that they have is due to the hardening of their hearts. In other words, an addict doesn't think right, is darkened in his or her understanding, and is ignorant because his or her conscience is completely seared. The conscience no longer kicks in when they do something wrong. Therefore, there's no governor or limit to the amount of evil that they can do. And therefore, they've lost all sensitivity to what's right and wrong. You know the difference between a crazy person and a sane person? At least the sane person knows when he's acting crazy. But when you lose all sensitivity, you don't know up from down. You don't know right from wrong. You don't know when to stop. Just one more. Let me see if I can get the high I used to get. And you've got the law of diminishing returns. Every time you try to get high, you don't get as high as you used to, and you do more to get that high, and you have to do more and more to get that high. It's like drinking ocean water. If you ever drank seawater, guess what? It's full of salt. It only makes you thirstier. And then it kills you. So this is a brain on drugs. It's ignorant because the heart has become hard and insensitive. And therefore, there's no limits and just let's get ourselves bombed over the weekend and be uh, worship, worshiping at the porcelain god um, on Monday, sick to our stomach, emptying the, the contents of our stomach into the toilet. Is it possible for someone who's this far gone to change? The answer is in Christ. Yes. These people are indulging in every kind of impurity. And you know what? They're full of greed. Greed is at the heart of addiction. Because how much will be enough? Just one more. Just one more. Whether you're addicted to money or addicted to work, addicted to shopping, just one more purchase. Just one more hour on the job. Just one more million dollars and I'll be satisfied. Greed. Never content. Never happy. Now here's the point. Paul did not waste his words in the first three chapters to say this. In the first three chapters he said, I am praying that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened, that you may know the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. You have resurrection power to be able to say no. The grace of God has appeared and it teaches us to say no to unrighteousness and yes to God. You don't just say no to drugs. You have to say yes to Jesus before you can say no to drugs. So the first thing to overcome addiction is trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and have the Holy Spirit power inside your heart so that you can say no. That's the point. 
if you're going to live your life your own way on your own terms, good luck because you're going to make a mess of things and it's going to get worse. Or you can turn to Jesus and have the life of God and have the power of the Holy Spirit. A friend of mine said he was able to quit smoking. Cigarette addiction is one of the hardest addictions to overcome. You know how he did it? He said, all I have to do is stop with the next one. Just say, I'm, I'm just not going to do one more. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was able to stop doing that one more. He's not trying to beat a whole you know, habit of three packs a day. He's just saying, I'm not going to smoke one cigarette, the next cigarette. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to say no. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is committed to any commitment you make to be like Jesus. If you want to be more loving like Jesus, the Holy Spirit says, yes, I'm on it. I'll give you all the power you need to be loving and to love the unlovely. And if you say, I want to live a righteous life for Christ, and you say, Holy Spirit, empower me to say no to evil and yes to Jesus, Guess what? The Holy Spirit's resurrection power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, will give you power to overcome. Do you believe that? Amen. Dishonesty, Ephesians 4, 20-25. Now this is interesting because Paul is going to give us the big picture and then he's going to make a specific application about honesty. He says, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by what? It's deceitful desires. So go back to the first part and know that anybody who doesn't trust Christ has unbridled passion. It it's, can't be reined in. It's not reined in. It's going to pot. And it's spurred on by deceitful desires. You, as a Christian, if you're a woman, let's just say you're dressed in a ball gown. And it's gorgeous. May I say you look lovely today. And if you're a man, you're dressed in a tux. And you look like a billion dollars. Because a, a million dollars isn't what it used to be. All right? So here you are, dressed in a tux or a ball gown. And you get... A stinking, smelling, rotten sock stuck on your outfit. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to go to the ball? Or are you going to walking around with the stinking sock stuck on your pant leg or on the bottom of your gown? No, you're going to peel that sucker off and throw it away. Get it far from you. So you have been dressed in Christ, and there are things in your life that do not belong to Christ. And you're to put those things off. You're to take them off like peeling a stinky sock that static clings to your pants. Take it off. And instead, you are to put on the new self. You're to clothe yourself in Christ, which means you have the mind of Christ, the attitude of Christ, and that you know you've been created to be like God who and want to reflect Him in true righteousness and holiness. That's what it's about. That our calling as a Christian is to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's your job description. To be conformed to the character and conduct of Christ. 
And the Holy Spirit will empower you to do that. But you've got to cooperate by eliminating that which is bad and reinforcing that which is good. Does that make sense? Therefore, and here's Paul's application of the general principle, you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully. So I can imagine some Ephesian Christian sitting there thinking, preach it, Paul. Yes, I'm glad you wrote this letter. It's being read right now out loud to us. And I agree with you. We've got to put off the bad and put on the good. And then he says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully. Oops. <laughs> it's like, hey, now you're meddling. Now you're stepping on some toes. Now you're getting personal. Yeah, I have a problem with lying or I have a problem with uh, you know, dishonest business dealings and, and I haven't been honest about my... Uh, my uh, uh, um, measurements of, of things and cheating people. By, but the point is, this person's my neighbor. And I'm a member of one body with this person. I should not be lying to a family member. I should not be lying to a neighbor. I should be speaking the truth. Now, when I was a little kid, uh, one of the things I struggled with was lying. And the problem with me was I was a terrible liar. Every time I lied, I smiled. And they knew something was up. Because this Cheshire cat smile popped up. And it's like, I'm lying, I'm lying. And I realized when I came to Christ as a young teenager, I got to stop lying. You know, I would lie to protect myself. I would lie to cover up. I would lie just to... You know, because I'm nervous and I'm, I'm frightened or, you know, whatever. I'm looking for people's approval. And I'm thinking, you know what, Lou? You're living for the Lord now. Quit that lying. Put that lying off. And I became more cognizant, more aware of when I would lie. Someone says, you're going to be at the meeting tonight, aren't you? Oh, yeah. No. No, you know, I was thinking about that. I, I'm not going to be at the meeting tonight. Isn't it interesting that lies, we make them into small white lies and then big whoppers, but you know, they're all lies. And the Holy Spirit is sensitizing you. He's sanctifying you by saying, move away from that. Speak the truth, right? Anger, Ephesians 4, 26 to 27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So here's the problem with anger. We either stuff it or we vent it. So the stuff it is to let the sun go down on our anger and we just say, nothing's wrong. I'm not mad at you. You didn't do anything wrong. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And see, our stomach's keeping score. And we wonder why we have colitis and other problems because we're stuffing our anger and anger turned inward is depression. So that's not a good way to handle your anger. And then we've, the other extreme is vent. Vent means that we give the devil a foothold and we give that person a piece of our mind we could ill afford to lose. We're stronger than an acre of garlic. And you know that we destroy people because the devil is the accuser of the brethren and he wants to accuse them through us. And so we start yelling and screaming and calling them names and the devil's handing us stuff to throw at them and he hands us the kitchen sink and we throw that. We're doing the devil's work. So you're not supposed to stuff your anger and you're not supposed to vent your anger. What are you supposed to do? 
You're supposed to have anger, but not sinful anger. So God gave you anger for a good reason. We're to be angry over uh, uh, with a righteous indignation. Remember, Jesus cleared the temple of uh, money changers. He was angry, but he had a righteous anger, a righteous indignation. So there's a point to be angry about, you know, injustices and things like that. But what are you to do with your anger? God taught me this. You're to pray. You're to give God the full weight of your anger. And then pray for wisdom as to how to express that anger to the right person at the right time. I was playing in a church, I was playing in a church league, and uh, I was first base, and my friend's at second base. The guy rounds first base, heads to second base, and, the, and my friend catches the ball and is going to tag him. And you know what this guy did? He used his cleats or something to ram into my friend, so he drops the ball and he's safe. It was a dastardly thing. And I was, on a scale of 1 to 10, I was 15, angry. And I was learning this principle. Give the full weight of your anger to God and ask God for wisdom as to how to express it to the right person at the right time. So now I'm the catcher. Um, there's no, I'm up to bat. I'm up to bat. And who should be the catcher? This dastardly guy who ran the base and spiked my friend. Now picture this. He is squatting down and his head is equal level with my bat. Now the temptation is I want to, you know, pay him back for my friend. But God's working on me and I just turn to him because he, what made it worse, he's trash talking me. This guy's a wimp. He's going to whiff out. I mean, that's even more a temptation to use the bat. But God, the Holy Spirit said, give me all the feeling of anger and express it correctly. And I looked at him and I said, I didn't appreciate what you did to my friend at second base. And you would have thought I had punched the guy in the face. He shot out his chest like, huh! But you knew he had conviction. And that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to admit when you're starting to get angry, don't go first gear up to fifth gear right away. Go first gear, I'm starting to feel annoyed. I'm feeling irritated. Don't go to rage. Admit your feelings as they go and give them to God and ask for wisdom on how to express it. Don't vent and don't stuff. Express it to God. So don't suppress, don't express, but confess your anger. All right, stealing, Ephesians 4, 28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. So if you have been cheating and stealing, by the way, cheating is on the rise. Cheating on tests, stealing stuff from work. And when revival hit in Wales, so many miners returned wheelbarrows and shovels that they had stolen that the bosses said, stop returning this stuff, we have too many. But that was a sign of revival. God, the Holy Spirit, was convicting Christians that they had been stealing and cheating, and when they got their lives right with God, they returned the stuff they stole, and non-Christians said, wow, this is the real deal, and then they had a spiritual awakening. 
That's what happens when revival happens. When we take God seriously and we call sin, sin, and holiness, holiness, we turn from our sinful ways and we turn to God's holy ways. And when we do that, it benefits other people. Foul talk, Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Some people need to write this out and stick it on their phone. It, imagine if you grabbed your phone and you saw this verse taped on it. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful in building others up according to the needs that it may benefit those who listen. That would change your life, wouldn't it? We need to be careful that our words don't tear people down, but build them up. When I was doing a doctoral uh, dissertation uh, on team building, there was a book called Zap. Z-A-P, exclamation mark. And it means when we talk to people, we could zap them in a way that empowers them. Or we could sap them, S-A-P, with an upside down exclamation mark. We tear them down. We demean them. And instead of zapping them, we're sapping them. And God wants us to zap them, not sap them. Resentment. Ephesians 4, 30-32. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That's a general principle that's over all of these, that when you ignore the Holy Spirit and don't let the Holy Spirit rule in your life like an empire calling out a foul ball or being out of territory, when you grieve the Holy Spirit by ignoring the alarm system within you, then you're cutting off the source for holy living. The Holy Spirit has been placed within you for holy living to become more like Christ, and He has sealed you for the day of redemption. He's the engagement ring that is God's promise that he who began a good work in you will, is faithful to complete it. He'll sanctify you through and through, body, soul, and spirit. He who is faithful will do it. That's a guarantee. So don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Some people shove the Holy Spirit into just their little toe. I don't want you to have control of my life and my body. Get down there in the little toe because I'm going to ignore you and squeeze you as far out of me as I can, and I can only put you in my little toe. Okay, that's just an image, okay, a metaphor. The point is, don't say no to the Holy Spirit. Say, yes, Holy Spirit, I feel convicted. Yes, Holy Spirit, I need to turn from that. Yes, Holy Spirit, this is Christ-like and this is worldly-like. Agree with the Holy Spirit. Get rid of bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. By the way, what is malice? Malice is ill will towards somebody. If you want some big rock to fall on somebody's head, that's malice. If you want somebody to get killed in a car accident, that's malice. You have ill will towards somebody. They may have wronged you and you want them to get it back. But revenge is mine, saith the Lord. It's not yours. So what can you do? It says... Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other, just as Christ, uh, in Christ, God forgave you. Christ absorbed the cost for our sin. You forgive as an act of the will. You take them off of your hook of accountability and put them on God's hook of accountability, and you absorb the cost, and you move on. Otherwise, if you don't forgive, you're carrying that person and your resentment towards that person around and it's making you miserable. The word resent 
comes from the Latin word resento, and it means to refeel. So when you run this through the video camera of your mind and you see the person jumping up in slow motion with a knife and stabbing you in the back and twisting the knife and you keep replaying that, guess what? You feel more and more resentful and it becomes bitterness. Bitterness is having an offense and internalizing that offense until the root of bitterness is like an acid that eats away at your joy. What's the antidote? Forgive as God in Christ forgave you. If God has forgiven you of the great debt you have owed him by Christ paying on the cross for you, then you should forgive somebody for a far lesser debt of sin against you um, because that's what God wants you to do. That's his will, that we forgive people from our hearts. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, forgive um, us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's important. Forgiveness is the way to freedom. Well, we have seen how to overcome six sinful patterns, and they're not exhaustive. You have your own patterns. I have my own patterns where we need to apply the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to overcoming these sinful patterns. Now, does this mean we're going to live perfectly from this point on? We're never going to struggle with addiction, dishonesty, anger, stealing, foul talk, and resentment ever again? No. As long as you're this side of heaven, the effects of sin and your sinful nature, you're going to be struggling. But guess what? The Lord does give victory. And where there's weakness, His power is working in you. And it causes you to rely on Him all the more. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.